This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, this is The Twilight Show with me, Seb Ventura, live from London. Tonight we're going to be discussing, can schools integrate students back in before they send them off-site to approve? So we're looking at alternative provision, what's that look like at your school, how does it work, In and what are the challenges from that? So please get in touch as usual, uh, join the show. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Yeah, sorry about that, everyone. That wasn't a particularly smooth opening from me. I'm I'm still just getting used to this new Twilight show on a Monday. So I haven't got my proper jingle yet still. So I kind of, I muffed my lines there a little bit, didn't I? Very big apologies there from a drama teacher. That was not good. But anyway, hopefully you got the gist of what today's show is about and that you know it's a Monday and that it's me and and that it's the uh, the twilight show at six o'clock still taking a bit of getting used to but that that's where we are so i hope you've all had a fantastic uh week and we are closing in on the end of a particularly challenging year i'm sure for everybody but we are a couple of weeks away not sure when you are finishing get in touch as usual uh, let me know send a message uh, how many weeks you got left how many are you counting it by weeks or are you counting it by days or even hours? I'm not sure. But uh, let me know when you are breaking up. Uh, we've got a great show today. Um, it's going to be a bit of a, a, not controversial one, that's the wrong word, but it's going to be quite a meaty one because the, the things we're going to be talking about today aren't sort of light issues, if you like. Uh, these are a bit more, they might draw a little bit more controversy or they might draw a little bit more opinion, but that is all good because uh, that's what we're here for on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, this is not a monologue from me. It is supposed to be a live interaction uh, with you guys listening in from wherever you are listening. So, um, yes, that's obviously through Podbean or through the website, or maybe you're listening back after as a podcast. Uh, That's also excellent if you are. Thank you for that. Um, But really, we want as many people as possible uh, to be listening live because then we can start a discussion. So um, I have a great guest today, uh, Sarah, who is uh, from a alternative provision centre called the Turnaround Centre. And I will go into a bit more detail about what Sarah does and her role just before I have her on the show around 6.30. But before we get stuck into that, let's just have a little bit of um, housekeeping. Uh, How is everybody doing, first of all? Uh, how are you feeling about the end of term? What is going on in your school? Are you, have you got bags of directed time? Uh, if you're, especially if you're a secondary teacher, I'm not sure how it works at primary when year six uh, winding down, but certainly if you're a secondary school teacher, you may be lucky enough uh, to have gained some uh, gain time now, uh, which obviously in the UK is when our exam groups finish uh, in year 11 and year 13, and those students uh, are no longer at school. And if you are Uh, lucky enough and you've had a year 11 group all year you will then gain back some time Uh, obviously that's always a bit of a boost um, but I always think that's a bit of a perk as well that's a bit of a perk if you've put in the time uh, with year 11 or year 13 it is challenging it is difficult with exam groups um, and I think the 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 payback from having an exam group is this period of time but of course I know more and more schools are using this time 
Um, I've heard bad uses of that time. People I've spoke to the last few weeks, increased cover, um, increased um, jobs to do in terms of admin or displays or things like that, which is all part of it. But I do think head teachers and SLTs should also be wary that those people have um, probably not necessarily worked any harder than anybody else, but they have probably done extra interventions. They've probably done extra things uh, from a year 11 point of view or a year 13 point of view or even a year six point of view necessarily. And then therefore, I think it's right that we have a bit more time uh, to get on top of it. And even if you haven't got um, gains time, um, it is obviously things do start to wind down. We have sports days, we have end of year productions, um, big things like that, big celebration events. Um, and the pressure begins to ease off a little bit. Um, I know everybody is also tired, certainly students and teachers are, um, as we wind down towards what we usually want is a hot summer. Whether we get it or not is another thing. It's quite warm tonight in London. I don't know where you're listening from. Please get in touch if you're listening abroad um, or if you're in the UK, wherever you're listening, uh, let me know uh, where you are listening from because um, it is quite warm, a bit muggy tonight here in in London. So that's what we're looking at. That's setting the scene uh, on this lovely Monday, the 4th of July. Independence Day, isn't it, actually? Um, so that's what we're doing. Um, and we're sitting down now for a nice, uh, cosy Teacher Talk Radio Monday evening chat about alternative provision. So uh, before I talk about my guest, I'm, I'm just going to set the scene uh, slightly uh, with what we're going to be talking about. So again, always I'm very aware that we have a lot of listeners from uh, around the world and from different countries. So I need, do need to contextualise that. So if you're listening and thinking, yeah, yeah, all right, so we know what that is. You might, but not everybody does. So effectively, what we're talking about with alternative provision is what happens to those students that, for whatever reason, can't uh, get it right or can't stay in mainstream schooling. And I'm not particularly talking about uh, students with extreme SEND uh, needs here. Uh, we're talking more of an emotional, behavioural, uh, well-being kind of way. And clearly, there's probably been an increase in this with uh, COVID, although again, I haven't got any data to hand, um, but just from my own anecdotal experience, it seems the last year or two, uh, there has been an increase in uh, students, obviously, the mental health deteriorating and behavioural problems with particularly key stage three. So I'd be interested to know if there are any stats um, on the number of students that are currently uh, in alternative provision because they're finding the routine of normal school, mainstream school, difficult, uh, or they can't connect because of um, problems where they've been out of school for so long with, with, with the COVID, homeschooling, or not had the supportive background or parenting that they may need to potentially help them deal with all of that. I mean, it's, it's hard enough if you have got all of that, let alone if you haven't. So that's really where we're starting from today, uh, is the future, I suppose, of alternative education. Um, there is uh, obviously the existence of PRUs, which are pupil referral units. So I will call them PRUs from now on. I think most people know what a PRU is, but if you don't, again, this was, uh, these were set up um, a while back, I think 1994, the term alternative provision was first used. Um, and these were centres for those students that can't uh, can't manage in mainstream schooling. And obviously, really, what we all want, I would hope, is to prevent uh, permanent exclusions. Uh, and again, I don't want to get controversial tonight. I don't want us to 
people to be calling in to say, you know, all the, you know, some of these kids, you know, they, 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 they shouldn't be in my class. I'm, that's not where I want to go tonight, guys. I don't want to go into a behavioral conversation um, because everybody's context is different. Everybody's school setup is different and every child is different. Um, I'm not trying to say that there are necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. All I'm trying to say is at the moment they are an option and as proves are an option as well. Um, but more and more, it seems that schools are trying to prevent. We obviously want to prevent permanent exclusions. The caveat being, I'm not talking about someone bringing a gun into school or someone, uh, you know, a racist, a, a physical attack on someone. Those sorts of extreme behaviours, clearly there is there is policies for that. I'm talking about students who can't get it right, are struggling for whatever mental reasons they are. And that may well be follow, not following rules and it may well be not um, respecting others and respecting teachers. I'm not saying that that they're not doing that, but looking at ways that we can reintegrate uh, these students. How can we help um, to prevent? Uh, we can't just obviously exclude every single child. The same as the prison system in this country. Um, you know, we can't just constantly throw everybody in jail. There needs to be some level of transformation, mentoring, or restorative conversations. Now, what that looks like in whatever context you're in may be very, very different. So what we're going to try and uh, discuss tonight on the show is what models there are for this. So please, again, get in touch. Let me know what it works like at your school. Um, what does it look like? And I'll give you a few choices for what that might look like in a moment. Uh, and then I'm going to do a little bit of a background into my guest today and why uh, I've brought Sarah on the show and what I'm hoping uh, she's going to be able to shine a light on watch the work she does. So um, the first thing we need to talk about is, um, yeah, well, let's just start from the beginning. So you may well have a model of alternate provision within your school um, that starts with perhaps um, a room. Uh, it may be uh, called an IER, which it is in a lot of places, an internal exclusion room. Uh, it may be given a different acronym. I'm sure there's lots, lots of acronyms out there. But I know most schools, a lot of schools that I've worked in or uh, have worked in the last few years, usually have some form of uh, isolation kind of room uh, where students are taken for a day uh, for an internal exclusion. Maybe it's a, a kind of catalogue of different uh, warnings or detentions that haven't worked. And so maybe that's, that's resulted in a one day out in school uh, where they're put uh, with some work to do. Now, that might be the very, very beginning. That might be the very minor level uh, of what a school might put in to just uh, deter that student from doing it again, to uh, send a message to other students that won't be tolerated, uh, to remove that, that student from uh, the other classmates and the, the other students just for one day to at least give them a break from that student. That might be the very, very basic beginnings of it. Um, and that obviously can lead to two to three days. Um, you might have internal uh, in exclusions like that. I'm not really talking about students being excluded for any period of time. Fixed terms exclusions are not really going down that road today. A, because I don't know enough about it. And B, because that's not really the, the vibe of my show today, guys. I really want to look at um, methods that schools do, models that we do, uh, particularly secondary. But I would love to hear from primary as well what we do about those uh, consistent offending students that can't get it right. And then how we basically... Um, help them uh, and support them 
to get it right. And that is obviously the, the crux of what we're going to be talking about. So let's say now we've got a student, we moved on from the, the, the single days, and we're now talking about someone who is really, really struggling, can't get it right for whatever reason. And I'm not going to go into the social context of the reasons why we all know, um, well, we should all know what some of those could be. Um, but what we're dealing with at the front end as teachers is the result of that um, student's background, that student's context. Uh, again, not wishing to generalise, but when I did do a bit of research into this, obviously there is a large number of students at Peru's, for example, that are um, from uh, preschool meals, pupil premium backgrounds, which is obvious, goes without saying. So um, vulnerable students, basically. So, so we know this and we now know that we've got a kid or we've got a, a number of students in this situation in the school. Now, again, we're now looking at levels to this and how long uh, they should be. Now, again, if we talk about Prus, before we go to talk about what a school might do themselves for alternative provision, uh, a Pru normally, I think, as far as I'm aware, um, and that's obviously more run by the local authority, is going to take a student for six weeks or possibly 12 weeks. Now, again, if I'm wrong, I'm sure Sarah will correct me later. She's more expert. But if you feel like you want to join the conversation, please do. Just buzz in, press call in on Podbean, uh, and it will direct you straight to my studio, and I'll let you in. Or you can just put a message in the chat function if you want to at any point, uh, you know, challenge what I'm saying or join in the discussion. So let's say now um, the, the Prue model really is that they go there, I think, for, for a short period of time and then come back and hopefully get reintegrated. And this is the key word, reintegrated back into school. That's what we all want. We don't want to send kids away on internal, on permanent exclusions. We don't want kids to be dumped on society's waste ground of you've been kicked out of X amount of schools. That's it. Nobody, I would sure, in education wants that. But at the same time, uh, we're also all trying to work for the good of the greater good of the your whole class. And so obviously people need, students need to, uh, be managed in that way so that we can teach everybody. Right, so we're at the stage now, uh, we're talking about Prus. So Prus, again, are centres. So they are places, obviously, where run by local authority and they will fund and, and that student will go out and then will be there for six possibly weeks, come back. And in best case scenario, we'll be able to come back. Now, I know there's also mixed models of this where some students attend a Pru part-time and then also spend the rest of their week in a mainstream school. That may work for that student and it may work for your, your school um, and that might be another solution. And obviously there are students who do that and it doesn't work for them. Um, and then there are students who obviously go and it does work and it enables them to get back. Um, even part I'm sure we've all got stories about different individuals, but I don't really want to get into individuals. I'd rather talk about the general patterns and the general stats. And I will be speaking to Sarah and I will be asking Sarah later to give me some stats, to give me some sort of numbers uh, on on the success of, of what she's doing. So before, again, we talk about that, um, we're, we're moving our way through. So we've gone from one day internal exclusion rooms. We've then gone to use an, an external agency such as a PRU. And then we kind of reach this middle ground, which is what I think it seems a lot of schools are moving towards. Now, when I say a lot of schools are moving towards, again, I'm really sorry, I haven't got lots of evidence-informed practice here. I'm just talking about, I've worked in three or four schools in the last 12 months, and all of them, I've got something like this, or they're moving towards something like this. So that would, 
that in my stats is is a lot. You know, that's 100% of the places I've, I'm working in. So again, I'm sure this is not just reserved to Kent or to Essex or any of the schools I'm working in. There's hopefully I've hit the hit a sort of feeling here that there is there is a move uh, towards that. And and again, may, maybe Sarah can shine a light on that and whether there's some stats about that. And feel free to join in if you've got those stats. But what I'm trying to say is it seems to me that schools don't want to go down the road of excluding students. Obviously, there's a cost of excluding children, um, not only a financial cost um, of the money that is lost, but also a, a social cost because it isn't isn't just a money reason, although that is going to impact on a budget. Um, it's not really that much. I think it's a, what three or four thousand pound. It's not really that much in the grand scheme of things. Um, but there is also a social cost of that student then being uh, in society, just not able to be in full time schooling anywhere, which we don't really want. So, um, yeah, so that's what this is all about. It's all about preventative measures. It's all about transformative measures. It's all about ways that we can reintegrate students. Uh, and again, like I said at the top of the show, I'm not talking about uh, a student who, you know, gets a knife out or, or does something absolutely uh, outrageous. Obviously, those students are a danger to other people. We're talking about those kids who, who basically just can't get it right for whatever uh, reason. Um, and yeah, so th that's kind of what we're looking at. So these students, I'm oh, sorry, I've lost it a little bit there because I was actually looking at um, some stats about it. Um, yeah, so what we're trying to see now is what the alternatives are. So the schools that I've worked in uh, in the last couple of years, I've noticed that there's some are doing different things. So one school I know is trying a two week, uh, a two week version of this. So they're just out uh, for a couple of weeks within a certain block in the school. And that area is manned by teachers um, and specialists, etc. And the students get some form of curriculum. They get some form of input, uh, maybe just core subjects and perhaps some uh, PE or some sort of uh, more kind of um, practical or relaxing subjects that are not quite as intense, but they do do some, some core lessons as well. And then this school, that I'm not going to obviously name these schools, after a couple of weeks, they will then, um, once they've had that try to see, okay, let's see if we can teach them a little bit about um, what, why it's not working. Let's let's give them some coaching. Let's try and talk to them about what's going wrong and get that out of them. They can go back in. Now, some people may be sitting there thinking that's not long enough. Well, then you you were looking at more typically a longer period of time. And I know that school has said to me uh, last week. The head teacher did say she's not really sure if two weeks is going to be long enough, and she may well move to a, a half term anyway. So six weeks or even twelve maybe a better period of time. And I guess I goes, I suppose I'm not having worked in a pre or not having really worked with these kind of students, but apart from as a normal classroom teacher, I guess it will depend on individual uh, and how long it takes to, you know, work that students through that process or whether the severity of the situation that they've been in uh, and the need, the actual need for them, the, the amount of kind of reintegration that might be necessary so it might work six weeks might work for some 12 weeks might be what's needed and then for others no amount of time they've had that chance it's not working and, and they and, and it, the system hasn't worked for them for whatever reason 
listen, if it was 100% success rate, everyone would be doing it now. And, you know, I'm sure Sarah would be a, a millionaire. But um, we know that isn't, that's not how life works in, in schools and in, and in life generally. So uh, the second model I've got before we talk about uh, where Sarah works is um, a school that I actually interviewed for. I didn't actually work in this school, but I interviewed for this school and they had a system uh, called uh, a school within a school. So a bit like the, men- the one I've just mentioned, but this was a larger scale version of it. And then the school within a school may be a common thing. Uh, you may have heard that phrase before. Uh, it may be the area that you're from. Um, it, it's something that's more familiar, but it was new to me. So they have the school within a school. So they have a, a larger building than the previous head teacher I spoke about and much more rooms, much more facilities, uh, actual offices, um, actually full-time members of staff who only work in the school within a school don't uh, work in the main school at all. So it's almost like a separate school, um, except obviously it isn't. And then the idea is that those students will go to the school within a school, have a slightly different timetable with different approaches, different teachers. But again, the whole point of that school within a school is they're on a tight timeline of of six weeks, I think it was, uh, and then it's reviewed. And then obviously either if they're making some good progress, they might decide to keep them a little bit longer and go back. And if they're not making progress, obviously give them longer or make a decision that it's not working. So that is, that's kind of another model. And then finally, I hear you say, that brings us to um, my guest today. So after the news, I'm going to be talking to uh, Sarah Jane Parker, who uh, works at a place called the Turnaround Centre, which is affiliated to a school in Essex. And this is, I think, and I may be wrong, but I think I've, I've done a bit of homework on this first before I asked her to come on the show. This is much more of a uh, even more built up on what I've just been talking about. So the Turnaround Centre actually has a name. It is a separate building. Uh, Sarah helps uh, to run this uh, centre, but again, it's attached to a school, and the obviously the, the intention is that they they run they run their courses and they run um, provision curriculum provision uh, so that students aren't missing out. Um, but then the idea is that then they will be reintegrated into the the normal school uh, near to, to the site uh, of the turnaround centre, and then they will go back into that school and hopefully then not. Uh, come back because that's actually what we want uh, whereas obviously any other uh, sort of education establishment or, or restaurant etc would want you to come back um, in a positive way we don't want these kids to come back I'm sure Sarah will agree so that's what she we want to do we want to get these kids turned around I guess and that's probably where she got that or the the, the organization got that name from you're trying it's very positive you're trying to say we're turning it around. And it is just another model of alternative alternative provision to allow for these students that are in danger of falling through the cracks, uh, these students who have particular vulnerable uh, needs or uh, horrifically chaotic backgrounds and lives um, outside of school to find some way of engaging with the process of what education and what school is, which we know is not for everybody. Schools are not set up in a way that is conducive to everyone yes the majority of people can work within that environment um we've also got another issue haven't we with academic subjects versus um you know kind of more practical BTEC courses or vocational courses that maybe don't exist that they used to do um back in the day 
Uh, but that's that's another debate altogether. We're not going to go down there. But obviously, the idea will be to prevent uh, permanent exclusion. So if you've just joined us today, what we're trying to do is look at how schools can reintegrate these uh, students that are struggling um, back into their system before either sending them out somewhere else that could be more expensive to uh, an external uh, PRU or a, a centre or somewhere else, or even just excluding them permanently when there's no other choice. And what we want to do is, does alternate provision, does it work as a temporary measure for some students? And what is your experience of it? So if you haven't, if you've experienced this or you either work in this area or even you're a, or even if you're a teacher that has had a student um, that you can think of. And we don't have to obviously give people's names on here. But if maybe, you know, you've got a good story about a student that you've worked with that was, uh, you know, released from the school to go to an alternative provision and then came back and, and was then you know, successful. They, those are sort of great stories that I would really, really love to hear from people today um, because that makes us obviously feel a bit more warm and fuzzy and a bit more uh, positive that there is um, a way to help these students and for us to not to get too negative. Um, and also we will obviously touch upon maybe uh, after um, I finished interviewing with Sarah, um, we may well look at the COVID impact um, has that made it worse? And also talk about primary schools, um, because I did find an article from 2019 about um, primary schools uh, using alternative provision and how those figures had doubled. And this is prior to COVID, remember? And there was a report in The Guardian saying how the number of students in primary school going to prove an alternative provision had doubled, I think, since 2011 or something like that. So there was a clear worry then even before COVID, that numbers were on the rise. Um, and that's in primary. That's not even at the point where we're in secondary school yet. So I dread to think what the, whether the numbers have uh, increased, doubled or tripled in secondary uh, and obviously in light of COVID. But again, I don't know, mate. I don't want to put Sarah on the spot with those stats. But uh, Sarah, I know he's probably listening uh, now. If she has got any information about that. Um, that would be really useful. So what we're going to do is just coming up to half past six on Teacher Talk Radio. Uh, thank you for joining me on uh, this Monday, the 4th of July. We're going to have a quick news and ad break. Um, and then after that, don't go away, because when we get back, um, I will be talking uh, in detail about this topic uh, to Sarah. And she's going to tell us all about the great work she does at the Turnaround Centre. Don't go away. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. 
Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chigwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at witherslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Northern Ireland, funding for the Engage programme, a scheme that employs teachers to help children's learning recover after the pandemic, is still not in place for the next school year. The Education Minister sent a letter to schools after the term ended. The National Association of Head Teachers said the timing of the Department of Education's communication had caused great offence. The Engage programme was introduced in September 2020 and schools received between £3,600 and £50,000 on their size and how many pupils they had who were eligible for free school meals. Schools were given money to employ teachers or substitute teachers to provide extra help to pupils whose learning had been affected most by the pandemic and restrictions. In her letter to school principals, Education Minister Michelle McElveen said, I have issued a direction to my officials to continue the programme until the end of December 2022, in the first instance. However, this direction remains subject to the approval of the Department of Finance. I fully understand the importance of urgent notification on this issue and can assure you that I will provide clarity on budget allocations as soon as I receive confirmation 
from the Finance Minister. The NAHT said that the uncertainty over the scheme was very worrying for schools. Caterers have told BBC News that as a result of rising food prices, beef will be removed from some school dinner menus along with other staples such as potatoes. LACA, the School Caterers Association for England and Wales, said that the quality of meals was under threat. Brad Pearce, National Vice Chairman of LACA, said the long-term impact of Covid, the war in Ukraine and rising fuel costs were all having an effect on what his members could put on school plates. He said the costs that are coming forward make it impossible for us to continue unless some difficult choices are made. LACA members provide 80% of the school catering service in England and Wales. Assist FM, the body representing Scottish caterers, says its members are experiencing similar concerns. In response to the concerns, the government said it had expanded access to free school meals and would continue to keep eligibility under review and work across government to address rising costs, building on the over £37 billion announced to help the most vulnerable. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to support a question everyone will see at the start of next year. It goes something like this. Hi Eddie Twitter, can you reply with where you are so I can show my class how far a post on the internet can reach? With a bit of free tech, you can make this much more visual. I'm going to use Google Maps because it's free and most likely you'll have used Google Maps at some point in the past. So, when you have all your responses, sign into Google. Go to Maps and click on the menu next to the search box. That's the three lines that look like a burger. From the menu, select My Places. You'll now have four options. Lists, Labeled, Visited and Maps. Click on Maps and at the bottom select Create Map. Now you can give the map a title so you can find it next year for comparison and add all the places from your Twitter replies. Simply type the name of the place. When it appears with a blue point marker, you can click the plus sign to add it to the map and then select the colour to help it stand out. When you've finished, all places will be saved and you can access the map by following the first few steps. Menu, My Places, Maps. There are loads of other great tools to use also. Measure the distance from your school to those places. Hit Preview and go into the View Only mode. Here you can select a place and you treat it to a short bio and an image of the area. So next time you're looking to bring a lesson to life, why not try using maps to help pupils see where places are in the world? Do you have any top tips for mapping? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
Hello there. Sorry, that's probably a little bit loud. Let me just take that down. Uh, yeah, I had to be aware there because I always mute the microphone, don't I? Regular listeners will know I mute the microphone for the news and then I usually forget to put it back on. So I didn't do that this time. Well done to me. Right. OK, so we've set the scene. Uh, hopefully now everybody's listening. Everyone's settled in uh, to talk today about alternative provision, uh, how that works, the advantages, uh, maybe some of the disadvantages of using a system like that. I can't really see any disadvantages to it personally. Uh, but what we're going to do is find out about a specific centre uh, in Essex uh, called the Turnaround Centre. And with Sarah, if she's there, Sarah, can you hear me? Hello. Yes, I can. Good evening. Good evening. How are we doing tonight? Very good, thank you. Very good. For a Monday? <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. It's one of those Mondays towards the end of term. But you sound very clear and, and you've got a good Wi-Fi, it sounds like, and no background noise. I'm at work, that is why, away from my children yeah. who will be running around for bedtime. Sorry. Oh, okay. I thought that's going to be a bad thing that you're still at work, but in a way it's a good thing for you to be nice and yeah. quiet, I suppose. Absolutely. Right, okay. Well, first of all, obviously we always start with thank you for coming on to Teach Talk Radio. No, um, no. And we, we appreciate that a lot of the guests we get are very, very busy people. Uh, so I um, just start with by saying thank you for joining us. Um, so we'll start with a little bit of context, um, because obviously I've had a chance to speak to you before now, but the listeners won't know anything about you. So just tell us a little bit on your on a personal level, Sarah, about your teaching career and how you've ended up where you are now. Um, I'm actually um, back at a school that I trained in. So I've been teaching for 19 years. Um, I, my profession before teaching was a ballet dancer. So I trained at the Ballet Rombert. I toured, I worked as a singer and a dancer. And then I got from performing arts into teaching by um, a maternity cover here at the school I'm currently in in Essex. Um, right, I, yeah. I topped up to a degree. I went through the GTP programme, which many people still continue to do. And then I specialised in dance and worked as a dance teacher, expressive arts, went into, um, stayed here for four years, then went as a head of department to another school um, in Brentwood, an all girls Catholic school for seven years as a head house and a head of department. Um, then I moved to a school in Harwich in Essex and mm -hmm. I was a head of faculty there for performing arts and I then for five years became head of sixth form. Um, very um, challenging area, very um, challenging students, but absolutely fantastic in terms of building the foundations to where I am now really and what I'm doing. Um, and then I applied, I wanted a change and I applied for the turnaround centre lead, which um, applying for that and attending the interview was um, probably one of the most unique experiences I've had today where it was very much um, uh, open dialogue and discussion as to, you know, what, how would you see this provision working and being the best that it can be and yeah. what are your, your ideas? So that's where, that's where it all began. And here I am since September in the Turnaround Centre. Amazing. So, so the interview is literally more about you, you giving your ideas than them looking for something specific from you. Is that right? I think when you've been teaching and you've got, you know, you've built your CV, um, it was a case of, you know, you're moving from head to sixth form to this role. What 
why is that and what do you why do you think this is important so yeah i think it was really digging deep for you know core values and yeah sure yeah you know making sure because it was it it was it's taking a risk it was something that mm. was new at that point um the local district wasn't overpopulated in the pros this is what this was um vice principal ash stoman's sort of new idea as to how to take this this um new center and make mm. it part of the school a part of the academy so that students could really um have a more personalized approach to meeting their needs rather than just passing it along to the next provider yeah yeah which is kind of what we've been talking about um earlier about why you know why these center well well why these centers exist really first and foremost um but yours is obviously quite a unique one isn't it because how is the turnaround center sort of different to uh well a pro or any other kind of school what is the unique sort of selling point of the turnaround center in your opinion i think for us we are we are our own center so we have our own building so that students do have a break from the day-to-day -day life in the main school but there are occasions when when they begin integration they can jump back into school life to rebuild relationships they can access the specialist teachers that we've got the yeah. um you know or it's accessing everything from within really um what where we're a bit different is our curriculum is designed to um mirror the the actual curriculum that is taught for each year group out in mainstream we have guest master classes where we have guest teachers coming in to teach so they still have that okay um, yeah that link. um we have a personalized approach to mentoring we have fortnightly meetings with parents carers um we work closely with local agencies so in terms of what we are why we're a bit different to a lot of the alternative provisions is we they can access up to 25 hours of education by being with us it's not reduced down to you know nothing um mm. we really focus on the core subjects as well as everything else that that individual needs so i think that's what that's where we're a bit different yeah i mean that's for i mean again now this is not my specialism at all but you know i've been teaching about the same time as you and or i've got also a performing arts background but I, you know, I, from what I can see, my own opinion is that, you know, it seems to be there's lots of students that I've taught where, you know, they're reduced timetable, reduced, 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 reduced down to, you know, one or two hours where they're coming in and out. You don't know where they've been when they're not back in the school, you know, yeah. and it just gets more and more difficult, I think, to reintegrate them because they're becoming more distant. And especially in, in a practical subject where they're doing group work, it's almost impossible then to to reintegrate. Um, but it yeah. sounds like you you've got a more um, joined up approach in the in the amount of hours that they do. Yeah, I think it, it's different for all for you know depending on the key stages that we have and their their SEND needs. Um, depending on the students that we've got. So for a starter, we have a, a two week rotation, a little bit similar to what you said previously, but that's that's a curriculum rotation so that they can access. And for extra curricular, they can still access RE and history, geography. Um, they'll do the Prince's Trust, which is an award that is normally delivered um, at Key Stage 4, but we deliver we, we are delivering at entry level to build to build the confidence and also build their CV. So in terms yeah. of what we're offering, um, 
we've got our you know our set timetable just like you would do in a, in a normal school but every student will they can either come in the morning or the afternoon to begin with and then we build that up so yeah. we're looking at we don't give a set time frame because again every student is individual yeah. but but from doing you know running this since september we really we're looking at at least 12 weeks and then okay. a five to six week reintegration support plan where they they will highlight the their most um positive lessons and we'll start with them and then we'll work with um with teachers to sort of rebuild those relationships and get them back into mainstream so at the moment, there are, you were talking about stats earlier, there are 135,000 students in England attending an alternative provision. Wow. Um, a third of them are in a pre, and 40% of those are primary school children. Yeah, wow. So that has gone up, has it? Because that was what the report, yeah. Absolutely. The last, the last four years, Ofsted, from um, their 2021 study, has said it's risen by 40%. Now I guarantee from, you know, the stats that come out after post COVID when maybe in yeah. a year's time, it's going, that's going to just increase again. Yeah, so I, there's no, no way it's gone down, is there? No, and I think <laughs> that information. So I know from the key stage three students that we've got, um, the ones that either didn't attend primary school for whatever reason, or had a reduced timetable at primary, then coming up to secondary after the pandemic, where it was, you know, at its highest peak, as it were, um, they, those students will be with us for a longer period of time, rather than those that have had just one high profile incident where, yeah. you know, it's led to them being at risk of permanent exclusion. So our ultimate aim is to reduce the likelihood of them being excluded yeah but it is different isn't it because it's different the experiences of that long term this yeah. you know being out is completely different isn't it to I don't know maybe, maybe it isn't it isn't but you know a one-off incident like you say because it's a long period of time out of normal education isn't it so I would imagine yeah. it is going to take longer absolutely I've, I mean I've spoken to um, staff that have worked in a pro and you know they've at times they've been pulling their hair up because they said this is just too late we're too late in the yeah. game and if you look yeah. at the green paper and the late you know late in intervention that they're now looking at trying to bring in more national consistency and early intervention that's that's our next step as a, as the center is to you know the the in the internal exclusion room which i also manage there will be students right. that reappear there so yeah. what can we do at that early stage before it even reaches the turnaround center yeah, stage sure. yeah. in the intervention um, and keep that education going? And also just to really tap into things like um, our affinity program, which we work with the NHS um, and healthy schools for the affinity program who work with um, on a trauma basis they work with families and the students so that's something that we we're working closely with and we've just won an award from them and um, based yeah, well on our, our mental health um aspect of you know supporting students and the semh side of things which is which i think that from you know when you discussed group work and things like that earlier for a student that hasn't been in full-time education for a very long time for them to just jump back in and expect to have the social skills 
even if they they haven't got any sending these it's extremely difficult so it's it's almost training you know boot camp and training on one level in terms of this is how you sit in the classroom this is how you show that you're being you're engaging this is how you this is how yeah. we talk to each other it's going back to basics yeah as sure well as the educational side as well as you know scenario work on behavior aspects and attitudes and building aspirations so I think that the reason why we're working is if you if you walked into the Turner Centre, our, our upper school, which has been open since September, students feel like they belong. And yeah. that's that's the turning point is they feel like they belong. They're used to the routines in here and they feel safe and they and they feel, you know, that they can trust the adults that they work with. So then we can start building on that and building on that, um, setting, you know, very specific targets that are reviewed each week with the student that are shared with staff that are shared with the parents and just bringing that sort of 360 approach to how we're working together yeah it sounds it sounds literally amazing i mean obviously we haven't got enough time to go into loads of detail about some of the strategies you use but what what would happen i'm interested when you say that they feel that a sense of belonging and that gives you a base level to then build from but do they not feel do these students not kind of get into there and then just kind of get comfortable and feel safe and then that's the end of the 12 weeks and then you have to say right now you've got to try going back sort of thing because that's obviously your end goal isn't it you want to reintegrate them back into the mainstream so Um, I think the reason why you know the ideal situation would you know to have enough staffing that they have a key person that went back with them right. and shadowed them that that would be in the future that would be again another um focus for us but at the moment what is working is gradual reintegration but with the support of the pastoral team right. so we have an amazing pastoral team here who will pop in say hello to them say good morning you know still have that conversation so that when they are back in mainstream they're on a on a report to monitor their engagement and their behaviour and the standards that we expect so that if there are any students that, you know, either have a bad day, well, they can come straight back round to the turnaround centre. If they um, if they need someone to walk to their first lesson back, then they've got someone there. And, and we'll also drop in for that first couple of weeks of going back in, we'll drop into lessons and just see how they're doing. But it's very gradual. So it might only right. be one lesson, it might be two lessons. It's It depends on the the um emotional state of that student and the confidence yeah. levels as well as their academic levels um you know if we d- if we're not going to put them into a class where we where the, it's going to be too much because they no you know, yeah because that's not going to work but they can but you you do give them that option to say you know this isn't sink or swim this is right see how you get on and you know come oh, back if you need yeah. yeah it's all about timing absolutely it is about timing and and every student is different we've got we've got um at the moment, we've got uh, 65% of our students are SEND that are in the Turnaround Centre. Uh, we've got we've had seven girl referrals um, who are girls and 25 who are boys. So our, that's in line nationally. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our students, because of the difficulties they were, difficulties they were having, they were, you know it affected their attendance, and and yeah. that really isn't an issue anymore. Our attendance is is. For most of those students has doubled and um and that's very quickly because they've got somewhere to come somewhere that they feel like they belong to and yeah. somewhere that they can really engage in and get back on their feet yeah no that's that's amazing like you say i mean that is 
the first <laughs> the first thing you want to do really isn't it is just get them back in uh yeah. and then at least they're not you know on the streets or at home or whatever at least you've got them there and then you can start from there so what would be great is to is to talk about um you know i know it doesn't it's not you're obviously going to say that it doesn't work for everyone because you know it was never going to work for every single person but you have got uh talk up tell us a little bit about your success rate and if you can if you've got time just talk about without obviously mentioning names any particular success stories that you'd like to share yeah, well, we've had, um, as I mentioned earlier, we've had 32 referrals to the Sharon Centre. Uh, so we're, we've got students that are still engaging. So we've got, at the moment, we've got um, 3%. So one that's been permanently excluded where it just wasn't, like you said, yeah. for a number of reasons, it wasn't the right place for them. Right. Um, we've got 18 who are still engaging in the programme, so they're not ready to reintegrate yet. So that's 56% are engaging still. Uh, 12% are reintegrating at the moment, and that's going really well. And 28% have completed their program, so they've just left. They've just finished their exams, or they've moved moved to um, an, another area because we've got you know students that have mm. that are with different carers, etc. So you know just yeah. naturally that will change. Um, but in terms of our positive impact, it's at around 87%. Wow, and I that's think it, amazing. It will maintain. It will maintain because we've got two centres now, so we've got a lower score and upper score. And, and what that will do is, in terms of the quality of ed education and what we're providing, teaching and learning wise, that's going to be more bespoke. So we're not trying yeah. to balance different key stages in all in one centre. It's almost like a lower score and upper score, which is what we have in the main mainstream. We're mirroring that as well now. So that's why I think it will it will maintain in in the 80 percent really 80 I mean, percent. It, it's amazing stats really i mean i know we're not talking about obviously hundreds of kids but that's not the point you know you're talking about yeah. some of the most vulnerable students you've, we've got and you yeah. and you're turning them around but what um it sounds to me like compared to some of the other sort of versions this i've seen is that yours you have a very they have bespoke timetables uh yeah. and how how can you how does that kind of work then if you've got 30 odd kids and they've all got completely different, how do you actually sort of manage it on an organizational so level? Got, um, so obviously the, the students that have reintegrated, they're not, they're no longer with us, but we've got 18 that are in the center at the moment and that's over two sites and right. they will come in an AM or a PM session, um, depending on if they're a key stage four student, they'll do their core learning here with us. And then they'll, they'll attend things like um, food technology and engineering, child development, they'll attend their key stage four lessons, which where the coursework is really important. Yeah. Um, so we build it around that. So we're building their hours around those on particular days. And um, the core in terms of the core learning that's in line with whatever topics and whatever's being taught in the in the mainstream, we align ourselves with that. So I have all access to all the resources. I work with the heads of faculty, yeah. I meet with them. Um, we assess in the same way, they complete the same assessments as everyone else. So we're all the time, we're trying to make sure that the gap doesn't get too big. No, yeah, because you're, you're a replicate. And again, I think that's another reason you're successful because you see too much of it being almost like cover, don't you? And it's yeah. just give them something to do uh, to keep them from, from, you know, trouble. And that's not the point. And if you're trying to, if you're keeping them going with, so they're not actually missing out, are they? They're just in a different environment, I guess. Yeah. And in, in terms of um, case studies and looking yeah. at 
success stories um it it for me really when you when you speak to a parent after three or four weeks of their their child being in the turnaround center um what i what i've heard a lot of is you know i've got my child back i've got you know they're, they're happy again they're happy at home they're engaging at home so the behaviors that they're displaying in the turnaround center is also going into their personal life and their family life so that it's more balanced yeah um, recently we had um there was a, a young girl that we've been working with and she's got very difficult home life and um family solutions and social care working with that family as well and because we're all working in a joined up way it's you know we sit in a meeting and it's everyone's on board to to deliver and that young girl wants to come to school and she wants to learn and she can see the big picture and for me i think you know looking at um cases like that it's really important and we've got others that have um in terms of the home life they've you know they've been without their parents or a parent has been deceased so in terms of the trauma there's a huge trauma um linked approach to what we're doing to make sure that that becomes a success and we build that into their program so we're building that mentoring building counseling building things like the affinity program that i talked about earlier yeah i was going to say yeah because you, you obviously do the you know you're, you're delivering the curriculum on a reduced level but that and then it's allowing you to do the yeah. counseling part as yeah. well yeah yeah, yeah uh, amazing uh sounds so good um and I was going to ask you this question, but I don't think I need to. You kind of answered it. I was going to ask you, you know, if more cynical people were to say, yeah, but they'll just end up going back to how they are, what stops that? But I think you've kind of answered it by talking about the parental involvement, maybe. Is that is that a reason? Yeah, and we've had, you know, we've had students that they've, they're still at, they've still accessed between seven, seven or eight GCSE exams, and they've come wow. to me at the beginning of year 11 um, before that not we're not really attending to what we would expect them to be lots of difficulties but they've they've completed that journey so for us and um making that work it's really focusing on the big picture what's the end goal what what opportunities can do you want in your life and how are we going to get there so i think as soon yeah. as it's linked to that everything's real life experiences and linked to that and talking about the bigger picture and building up that um building up that discipline that they need and and that as the aspiration that they need because a lot of them come and they have no aspirations at all so no of I course yeah the big picture is really important and that's that's what helps them to get to the next stage and and to persevere and build that resilience. yeah and it's hard isn't it because you could you could see that if you're in a, in a school without this and you're in a normal school secondary school for example and i've seen it you know, where, you know, there's assemblies on having high aspirations or guest speakers about having high, and that's all well and good for the, for the majority. But again, really that those kind of students talking about that, they're not going to respond in in that way to an assembly. I would, you know, and I've seen, I can just see it in their faces. They don't want to listen. They're bored. They think it doesn't apply to them. Uh, You know, whereas you're still getting them to do that because it's, you know, you're supposed you're more one-to-one or smaller numbers, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's, um, I mean, I've had up to nine in one group before, which is quite a lot for us, really, but we tend to stick around six and below. And because we've got students on different programs, because they're accessing some mainstream learning sometimes, and we can we can open a space or extend the day for different students. So I think that 
because we've got that flexibility that's why it's working yeah, 100%, 100%. Right, well, uh, listen, it's been very, very interesting, certainly, to hear how it works. Um, what I would like to just end on before I let you go, um, and I appreciate your time, because I know you're obviously very busy and you obviously want to get home to your own children, uh, <laughs> is to ask you, you know, final question really would be, do you think places like the Turnaround Centre are, are the future? And, you know, is there plans for expansion for you guys? Absolutely. I think... In terms of costs, you're looking at um, it's cost neutral to to paying for a student to go elsewhere, whether it's mm -hmm. for a term, like you said, and then returning. So in terms of staffing, um, that is cost neutral. But in terms of the value you add into that young person, the opportunities that you're creating, I think yeah. that outweighs it. And, you know, when parents are thanking you for what you've done, even though they've started off their journey in very difficult circumstances, that for me is success and I think that's what you know we'll, we will have so many opportunities to share that we've already had three schools that have um, approached us and come in because we have an open door policy yeah. and to speak to us and, and they're going back with right let's set this up let's have a look let's see what we can do um, so yeah I definitely think it is is a way forwards and for us it will be early intervention and using our IE room possibly in a different way internal exclusion different way and looking at yeah approaches that are working in the turnaround center how can we use them earlier on what can we I was do earlier say, on? yeah i mean i think that is what people would want isn't it i can imagine teachers listening you know because if you're a head teacher and you've got kids in an internal exclusion room but they're just sitting there to get them out of the lesson uh yeah. i get that i do understand why that has to happen sometimes for, for you know for a short-term fix or for, yeah. for for just to help this you know rehabilitate you know get this teacher i get all those reasons but now listening to you it feels like well, that's a bit of a wasted day because that kid then I is just... It's quite, quite old-fashioned, isn't it? In terms yeah. of, of, of um, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that... It makes sense to me you're out of circulation, but it doesn't make sense to me that you're not then broaching the subject as to why you're in there and, um, and, and then digging you're just gonna come a, back. Bit, yeah. a bit deeper. Yeah, because nine times out of ten, there is there are other things that are contributing to that. And it's if we want to... Um, change that mindset and the behavior then we need to talk about it and be honest about yeah. it and give them strategies that are going to work and give them a safety net people that are going to be there to come to to approach and to help them along the way because obviously they, they can't do that at, the, at this present moment whether no. it's firm but fair approach whether it's mentoring you know what is it that that young person needs yeah i mean it, it, i know i made this uh, allusion earlier but it is it to me does sound like you know the issue, the prison system in that way you know that we are you know, you, you, if you don't have rehabilitation, then people will offend again, won't they? And then you're back Absolutely. to yeah. bouncing people back all the time um, yeah. rather than actually looking at the root of it. And I like the way you're, you're saying about going even further back. Obviously, with criminals, we can't really do that because we don't know they're going to do the crime. But with, with yeah. your situation, you can see the flags, can't you? The earlier you can see them, the better. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the, the data's there, isn't it? The data's there in terms of behaviour logs that schools have in yeah. terms of uh, relationships that they have with... with yeah, with you form know, tutors or... So yeah. Working on that side of it. And if you get them to be saying, you know, if it's a form tutor even, and before there's even data of detentions, you know, even if you've got a form tutor who's noticing that, you know, there's something with, with one of the students is not working and they're beginning to disengage, 
you are just want to put those strategies in. But I guess it's all about training, isn't it? And and support as much as anything else. Yeah, and time, you know, time is, is costly, time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Being, you know, being in a class of 32, we've all been there and having, you know, poor little Joseph who's having a complete meltdown and in the corner there's, you know, other things going on and there's send needs yeah. across the class that are growing. Um, it's having the time to actually feel like you can um, address them sensitively and um, in the right way to actually have an impact. Whereas, you know, along with your core teaching, with the yeah, curriculum of teaching, course. you're trying to you're pass on. Yeah. So I think in terms of having a centre, even if it is for two weeks where you've mentioned that before, perhaps they're the early interventions and yeah. then this is a, a bigger intervention that we're doing here. No, for sure. And obviously, you know, that is the challenge, isn't it? For most people, they've got 30 kids in front of them. And you can see that, you know, as an adult, I think I just need to sit and chat to that person. Um, but you just can't because of the pressures of what you're doing. But as soon as that students, you know, within your area or within a different zone with people who are maybe more trained or, you know, um, it, it definitely seems to, to work. Well, that is fantastic. So thanks for joining us. I'm sure um, lots of people will be looking up about the Turnaround Centre and it might have inspired other people listening to uh, think of running something similar or something. Certainly you've touched, I think, Sarah, on a lot of the, um, not, I don't want to say issues, sounds like it's a bad thing, but you've, talk, you've talked quite a lot about um, the strategies that you've used and why they've worked. And I think that's going to be really useful for people. Yeah, and we're, and anyone that wants to get in touch through yourself, Seb, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, no problem. Well, I'll put it on the. I'll put. Um, what's the best way them to contact you through uh, through the the plume itself or through? Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah. Okay. So I'll put some contact details on the chat in a bit. So I'm sure there may well be people. Or again, you can tweet me uh, at tripitaka seventy four. Or um, and then you know, obviously, I will get back to you there and forward those details on. Um, but the turnaround centre is is part of the plume. Uh, school in Essex and um, we're really grateful that you gave us your time today because it's uh, it's been really interesting no problem thanks for having me on good luck with that all and you're doing a sterling job absolutely amazing thank you no worries you're welcome have a good evening thank you bye-bye right so that was very very interesting I think uh, and I hope that everybody listening uh, will have got something out of that I certainly have and I'm sure that um you know, when I tweeted out about this show earlier, I know there were a lot of people uh, getting in touch with me saying, oh, you know, I want to know more about this. Well, there you go. That's uh, an insight into alternative provision, how it can work. Um, uh, you know, obviously, like she said, there is there is a, a funding uh, thing there. But actually, what we're trying to do is stop, uh, you know, the cost further down the line and increase social mobility for those kids so that they are able to uh, be back in society themselves. So uh, it's all ticks from me. It's all really good. Um, but I think also what was interesting was hearing from Sarah about some of the systems the school uses and the timeframes and the level of, you know, professional support and counselling and trauma, all those sorts of things, which I think this is not going to go away. Um, as we said about the stats, I mean, those stats are incredible. I actually wrote some of them down, 135,000 uh, students uh, in alternative provision, a third of which are in in proofs. Um, so you know that is that's a lot of students, and uh, it can only really not to be negative, but it's only I think going to probably increase be due to COVID. Um, but on a positive level, at least there are places like the Turnaround Centre. And if you in fact are um, someone like Sarah that works in a uh, similar organisation, you want to get in touch, uh, then you can uh, message us. What I'm going to do now, we'll have a quick news break. And during the news, I will put the contact details of Sarah 
into the chat and I'll read them out for those people listening to a podcast in case you want to get in touch with her, find out a bit more, maybe visit the place um, uh, in Essex because they they have got an open door policy. So they're happy to share the work that they do there. Um, I'll put all those details on uh, during the news. So don't go away. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chigwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at witherslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Northern Ireland, funding for the Engage programme, a scheme that employs teachers to help children's learning recover after the pandemic, is still not in place for the next school year. 
The Education Minister sent a letter to schools after the term ended. The National Association of Head Teachers said the timing of the Department of Education's communication had caused great offence. The Engage programme was introduced in September 2020 and schools received between £3,600 and £50,000 depending on their size and how many pupils they had who were eligible for free school meals. Schools were given money to employ teachers or substitute teachers to provide extra help to pupils whose learning had been affected most by the pandemic and restrictions. In her letter to school principals, Education Minister Michelle McElveen said, I have issued a direction to my officials to continue the programme until the end of December 2022, in the first instance. However, this direction remains subject to the approval of the Department of Finance. I fully understand the importance of urgent notification on this issue and can assure you that I will provide clarity on budget allocations as soon as I receive confirmation from the Finance Minister. The NAHT said that the uncertainty over the scheme was very worrying for schools. Caterers have told BBC News that as a result of rising food prices, beef will be removed from some school dinner menus along with other staples such as potatoes. LACA, the School Caterers Association for England and Wales, said that the quality of meals was under threat. Brad Pearce, National Vice Chairman of LACA, said the long-term impact of Covid, the war in Ukraine and rising fuel costs were all having an effect on what his members could put on school plates. He said the costs that are coming forward make it impossible for us to continue unless some difficult choices are made. LACA members provide 80% of the school catering service in England and Wales. Assist FM, the body representing Scottish caterers, says its members are experiencing similar concerns. In response to the concerns, the government said it had expanded access to free school meals and would continue to keep eligibility under review and work across government to address rising costs, building on the over £37 billion announced to help the most vulnerable. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to support a question everyone will see at the start of next year. It goes something like this. Hi Eddie Twitter, can you reply with where you are so I can show my class how far a post on the internet can reach? With a bit of free tech, you can make this much more visual. I'm going to use Google Maps because it's free and most likely you'll have used Google Maps at some point in the past. So, when you have all your responses, sign into Google. Go to Maps and click on the menu next to the search box. That's the three lines that look like a burger. From the menu, select My Places. You'll now have four options. Lists, Labelled, Visited 
and maps. Click on maps and at the bottom select create map. Now you can give the map a title so you can find it next year for comparison and add all the places from your Twitter replies. Simply type the name of the place. When it appears with a blue point marker, you can click the plus sign to add it to the map and then select the color to help it stand out. When you're finished, all places will be saved and you can access the map by following the first few steps. Menu, My Places, Maps. There are loads of other great tools to use also. Measure the distance from your school to those places. Hit preview and go into the view only mode. Here you can select a place and you're treated to a short bio and an image of the area. So next time you're looking to bring a lesson to life, why not try using maps to help pupils see where places are in the world? Do you have any top tips for mapping? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks to Steve Woods with the tech briefing and obviously go with the news and all our uh, people who help uh, the sponsors and advertisers that help us with our show as well. So um, that's all good. So thanks obviously majorly to Sarah Jane Parker who's just given up a good half hour of her evening to join us. I hope that was useful. If you are listening back on the podcast to this through Spotify or however else you uh, consume your media um, and there may we do get a lot of people download these shows afterwards who are not actually able to listen live and I appreciate that uh, I'm going to just read out some quick details so you can tweet me if you want to speak to Sarah or get any details at trippitaka74 uh, that's t-r-i-p-i-t-a-k-a 74 that's my personal twitter if you want to contact me uh, or you can contact the school uh, which um, is not the turnaround centre where Sarah works, but the school affiliated next to it, um, which is at Plume Academy. Plume is spelt P-L-U-M-E. So obviously, if you're uh, live with me now and you're listening, thank you for joining me. You can see all that in the chat function. Uh, and that kind of wraps up what we've been looking at today. Obviously, we've still got 10, 15 minutes. Um, if you want to get in touch and join the conversation. Oh, shut up, Siri. If you want to get involved... Uh, in what we've been talking about, or you've got anything you want to comment on what Sarah said, please get in touch. All you need to do is click the call-in button on Podbean, and it will direct you straight to me. Uh, and if you're too shy for that, then just send a little chat and tell me what you think what about what the work she does. I think it's incredible, um, and I think we should salute people like that, um, because obviously that is what we all need, is as much help as we can to help these young people uh, turn their lives around, essentially, um, because we all know it's been a tough two years anyway, um, but we all we all had a lot of issues with students. Uh, there are lots of students, sorry, uh, with these kind of issues, what I meant to say, uh, even before COVID, um, lots of uh, family struggles and poverty and all sorts of different things, um, which is really sad, but it is a way of life and um, at the moment, and we need, to, we need to just put things in to help turn this around. And also what I liked about what Sarah said again, is the the social mobility you know some of these kids they may well be quite clever they may well be quite intelligent but behavioral wise they can't get it right um and it doesn't really surprise me that then some of those more able students actually then are able to get seven or eight gccs so she's actually giving them something at the end which is what we should all be striving for um at the end giving them something to leave school with something in their um in their file of what they've done um, but yeah, so I'm really, really pleased that I got Sarah on because um, it gave me some insight into how alternative provision works. Um, it's freshened my memory um, in terms of what, what we need to be doing as schools. And she also gave some good strategies about 
timelines and, and bespoke timetables and freedom and that support also when they go back in i think it's very important um if you can do that in some way um and the council element which of course it wasn't really a surprise but i do think that's important as well so that was that um on a completely different tack so if you want to get in touch with me about that please do we've got about 10 minutes left uh, i just have to do a shout out to uh some of our teacher talk radio hosts because um uh, this weekend we had finally had our big Teachers Talk Radio get together um, social event, which we've not been able to had since we started the show a year and a half ago in in January 2021. We've not been able to get together because obviously every time we've tried, there's been another lockdown. So we were due to have a social event last year; it never happened. And finally, this weekend up in Manchester, sunny Manchester, we managed to meet up. Not everyone was able to come uh, because everyone's busy, etc. Um, and everyone lives all over the country. We've got hosts in it, uh, Italy. We've got hosts who, uh, in Nigeria. We've got hosts in the UAE. We've got hosts in Spain, Portugal. They were obviously not able to come. Um, but I did get to see some of our hosts. So if you are a regular Teach Talk Radio listener, you will know who Tom Rogers is, who started the whole thing off. You will know who Tom Hopkins Burke is, probably, because he used to do um, lots of news and is a big part of the uh, team. Uh, we've also got Shaniqua, one of our hosts, uh, Joe Hammond, one of our hosts and part of the tech team back um, behind the scenes. Uh, Sobia, who is another one, another host who's been on the block with me uh, for a long, long time. And Chris Vowles, who is an absolutely legendary karaoke singer. So if you ever meet Chris Vowles, give him a microphone and tell him to sing you a song. He was incredible. Uh, so I just had to give those people a shout out because it was really lovely, you know, in this world of uh, post-COVID world to actually have make friends with people and colleagues that I'd never, ever met. Um, and I've been doing Teach Talk Radio for a year and a half, and I'd never physically, I've done Zoom calls, never physically met any of uh, the people who set up this great um, uh, station that we do. So it's lovely to actually do that and meet people face to face. So that was just a little bit of a personal thing I wanted to say. Um, in terms of the last few minutes of the show, what would be also good is to hear, if anyone wants to join the chat, about... Uh, your preparation for next year. So at the start of the show, I discussed a little bit about those year 11 and year 13 teachers in secondary who get gained time, uh, which is obviously time they get back uh, when their students uh, are finished exams and what you're using that for. So in a more general sense, let me know what are your, uh, what's on your to-do list? What's on your job list for the next two weeks? Are you just winding down uh, and to sort of fall in a heap and then wait until September? Or are you trying, and it is difficult this, are you trying to just get on top of as many things as you can before you eventually crash? Because we don't really want to uh, leave stuff to come back to, but at the same time, everyone's so knackered, aren't they? So some things I put down are, some people I know are doing curriculum stuff, they're getting their planning done, they're getting the, road, the schemes of work, the roadmaps ready, they're doing as much, I mean, obviously a lot of that's already been done, but people that are really trying to get their, get on top of what they're teaching, even if it's just for the first, you know, couple of terms. So you've, you've got that solid and it's ready to go. Um, displays, that might be something you, you do as a school or you do, um, you wait until the summer. But I know we all really need summer, summer holidays. So maybe displays is something you, you do when you come back or you want to get it all done now. Uh, sorting out. I mean, it's all about sorting out. As a drama teacher, we, we'd be forever going through boxes and prop cupboards and all the stuff from the school production at, uh, when it's happened, which I know a lot of people are doing school productions at the moment, getting all that stuff boxed up, 
binning a lot of stuff, throwing away so much garbage and so many old pieces of paper, the recycling, old assessments, old books. It all just begins to sort of, it becomes like a hoarding uh, area because you can't, you're just so busy. Everyone is so, so busy. You don't have time to think, what am I going to do after school today? I'm going to spend two hours cleaning out this filing cabinet. We just don't do it. I defy anybody that says, oh yeah, I do that on an, on an evening. We leave it because we're dealing with a day-to-day job, which is tough. And we're dealing with, have I got everything ready for tomorrow? Have I got everything for next week? Uh, what meetings have I got to go to? What emails have I got to reply to? Blah, blah, blah. And these things get left. But if you can't do it now, I don't know when you're going to do it. So grab the ball by the horns. If you've got a, dirty, a cupboard with a lot of mess in it, if you've got to find a cabinet with documents from students' work from 2005, get rid of them. Yeah, have a clean out. It's like a spring clean for teachers, but we always do it in the summer. Uh, so you'll feel better about yourself. And the other thing people might be doing, uh, like myself, is if you have got a new job or if you've got a new role uh, within your existing school, perhaps you've got a, um, a middle leader position or perhaps you've got an extra responsibility that you are not starting till September um, and maybe your school isn't paying you till September, um, but actually are asking you just to maybe start getting to grips with it. Maybe you've got some training to do, uh, or maybe you're going to just meet with some people like myself. I've had a, a, a day at my new school already, meeting with the, the people who uh, I'm taking over from to just get a bit on top of things, get my head around the school uh, before September, get my laptop, etc. So it might well be that you are there um, and you've done your curriculum, you've got a lovely tidy office, you've got lovely tidy cupboards, um, but maybe you're sitting there just getting some stuff ready for a new role or a changing role or a new school in September. But let me know, uh, pop something into the chat um, if you want to tell me what you've been doing uh, before we sign off. Um, and yeah, that's that's been a really good show. I, I really uh, enjoyed uh, speaking to Sarah and I've enjoyed talking about um, alternate provision because it does make you think about those really vulnerable kids. Um, and as I said at the beginning, this is not me you know, making excuses. This is not me saying, People should tolerate uh, outrageous behaviours. We're not. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is, some of these people that exhibit those behaviours are very troubled or very have very difficult uh, lives outside of school, and the school system doesn't always work for them. And if you can have a turn, something like the turnaround centre or a internal, um, your own, your own in-house alternative provision, I think that is the way that schools are going to have to start moving forward because. You know, we can't just farm kids out left, right and centre to external agencies. Not that those places are bad, um, but I do think it the model that Sarah talked about for me is interesting because it's actually connected to the school and it's easier for her to then get kids back in. Like I said earlier, I, I remember speaking to some kids that were at a pro and then they were in with me, then they were out with me. I never knew what days they were in. I never knew how long. that. I didn't really know enough and it was difficult for me to deal with them turning up at my lesson once a week or twice a week and not being there the other four or five lessons. So I think if you've got a, a system like the Turnaround Centre where the school is next door and you're able to, you know, it's all about relationships, isn't it? And more and more I'm realising this about schools. It's all about relationships uh, and communication. And whether that's with TAs, whether that's with parents, uh, office staff, whoever it is, I think if you've got a school where people can talk and have time to talk and have time to join up the dots about these young people. I think, in my opinion, you'll have a more successful school because the worst thing we can do is just be too busy to even stop 
and think, mm, let me go and chat to that person because they, they actually might have some insight here. And it can be very, very transformative in terms of your relationships with individual students, uh, either that phone call home or uh, that meeting with a tutor um, or finding something out different. Um, I don't want to teach you to suck eggs because I'm sure a lot of people listening are, are brilliant teachers. Um, but I know there are people out there who are more inexperienced that's listening in and there are people listening from all across the world. So that is a little bit of context. Um, and we're kind of done. We are kind of done. So um, next week, remember, I'm on a two week rotor now. So next week, um, I, I won't, won't be on. Um, but Rebecca Ricketts will be doing this slot. So there will be a show. Uh, and uh, we do have shows all the time. So do check out Teacher Talk Radio, um, ttradio.org. Uh, for all the information on what shows, or you can follow us on Twitter at TT Radio 2022 uh, and find out what shows are coming up. I'm sure you're all on Podbean anyway, um, and that's another way to listen to us. Um, but yes, we're, we're kind of done. So in two weeks' time, uh, it should be me again, but that is my birthday, so I'm not 100% sure I will be doing a show that day. I may well be um, doing something else. Apologies for that, but I will let you know um, whether I can slot my show in amongst all my uh, celebrations um, this year. So great to uh, have everyone on board. Thank you for joining me. If you've been listening in, even if you haven't commented, even if you haven't called in, uh, I, I can see that there's lots and lots of people listening out there online. So I really do appreciate that. I mean it. Um, uh, it's a big shout out from me, Seb. Uh, I hope you have a lovely evening, uh, whatever you're up to. Uh, remember, you really probably only have got two weeks left. Um, or maybe a bit longer, two and a half. I can't see anybody having three weeks left, uh, certainly not in, in England anyway. Um, it's got to be two to two and a half weeks. And Monday's gone. Another Monday's in the bin uh, that you don't have to worry about um, planning for. But basically, that is it. That's your lot, guys. Um, take care, have a good evening, and speak again. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.